Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Combine week. Yes, Kevin's Corner. We're back recapping Chris Boward and Shane Steichen from earlier in the week. And, Eddie, we're going to play a little Nick Sirianni, right? Yes, sir. Well, Nick Sirianni action in the podcast. He joined us, Kevin and Query, our morning show earlier this week. We'll throw that in here if you missed it. Some Shane Steichen thoughts, some some comments, certainly on his actions (laughs) at the end of that game back in November here at Lucas Oil Stadium. So looking forward to you guys getting to experience that conversation we had earlier this week. Uh, Eddie, good to see you, man. Appreciate the uh, two pods in uh, one week. No problem. It's like you can't get away from me. Been hanging out <laughs> every day over at the convention center, too. And that's a good thing. Um, I always enjoy hanging out with you. And, yeah, this is just kind of what this week is about. You know, for someone like me, you kind of split it up into segments. The early part of the week is more about the coach-GM part. Yep. You kind of wait for your coach and your GM to talk. You obviously will get some information that we'll share on that. And then the rest of this week, we're recording this late Thursday morning, you'll get into workouts and we'll see the measurables for Bryce Young and the Jalen Carter situation will continue to play out. And we'll come back early next week, start to look at free agency, recap any other combine tidbits um, that might have developed over the weekend. So let's focus again on Ballard and Steichen here to start off. We'll play the Sirianni interview right before Twitter questions. And uh, then we'll uh, then we'll call it a day. Right before we get into Steichen, so I was leaving the convention center yesterday, and uh, I ran to it ran into a prospect. He's a quarterback. Okay, Max Duggan. Oh, I was gonna guess Aiden O'Connell. Yeah, I ran into Max Duggan yesterday nice. on my way out. Uh, great guy. He reminds me a lot of uh, Taylor Heineke in the in the way that he's gonna provide that grit and toughness. Um, and I, it's often not too often you see a guy who had the success he did at TCO this year. And he's talked about, you know, in those middle rounds. So some team could get lucky with a solid backup. Yeah, I'll be curious where he goes. I'll be curious where Aiden O'Connell goes. I mean, Me too. This was 10, 15 years ago. Aiden O'Connell probably hears his name called on day two of the draft. But obviously the running element um, is a little bit different um, nowadays than it was back then. So um, let's focus first on Ballard. Eddie, you were over there with me yesterday. So, you know, feel free to jump in at any point with any sort of comments. Um, We will throw in the caveat, as we will, before every podcast from here until April 27th. It is lying season, and it is smokescreen season. Indeed it is. So I I just want to preface that with everything. Having said that, I don't think it's like you just straight up lie for 15 straight minutes. Um, I think that's kind of impossible to do. So um, we'll pick some bits and pieces out of it, try to provide some context around these comments, um, and we will focus on that. My biggest takeaway Ballard related yesterday was as of now, March 1st, he is hesitant about trading up. Am I shocked by that? Not really. First off, it's Ballard. We know he loves picks and we know he's always been hesitant to take a swing at quarterback. Granted, he's got a much better bat, if you will, if you want to keep the baseball analogy going with the fourth overall pick than he's had in years past when he's drafted a lot later. Um, I also think it's worth pointing out, Eddie, it is March 1st. They met with quarterbacks. They have met with quarterbacks this week here at the Combine. That is the first time that Shane Steichen and Chris Boward have 
probably ever talked with these guys. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. And you're going to have a lot of interactions with them if you want to go to their pro days, if you want to have private workouts, if you want to bring them in for top 30 visits. Between now and April 27th, you're going to complete the profile, and you might argue you'll complete the biggest separator in the profile. And that's who you are. Like, who are you as a human? Mm-hmm. How are you, you know, what drives you? Those sorts of things. Um, you know, do you want it? Do, do you want to be a quarterback in the NFL, which is just an incredible job on multiple levels, incredible pay, incredible responsibility, all of those things. Um, if you think back to when they drafted Quentin Nelson, six overall in 2018, Ballard was not totally fully sold on it until the pro day. So mm-hmm. that Notre Dame Pro Day, where he felt like he had like a Adrian Peterson type of impression on him at, at that pro day, is just his unbelievable presence. So again, I don't even know if we're halfway through the full evaluation process on these guys. So I think that is something that's, that bears mentioning. Lastly, I would just throw in this on the whole trade up debate. Ballard said yesterday, "We think we can get the right guy at four. Mm-hmm. You can certainly get the right guy at four. I mean, hell, look at every draft. The best player in every draft is not the first overall pick. But that also means that you have no control over one, two, and three. Yeah, especially with the Jalen Carter news coming out yesterday. And, and, and I want to get to that Carter news. I think we have a Twitter question on that. But if my job is on the line, Eddie Garrison, I don't want to risk sitting there at four. Yep. I don't want to have to dodge bullets. And I can't – others have got to allow me – to get the pick at four. And then, of course, you throw in the caveat, as we mentioned on last week's pod, of one of those teams is in your own division. When you think about all of that, that is where my hesitancy hesitancy comes into play here. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Something that I kind of took away, I don't know which part it was, I don't know if it was him talking to you know the entire media or the spillover with the local media, uh, he did not seem in favor of bringing back Unique Ngakwe from that brief, in, in including his interview with JMV. Right. Right after that media scrum, he went over to John and was asked about Unique Ngakwe. He didn't seem too uh, candid. A bit lukewarm yeah. on Mr. Ngakwe. I think that is a fair way to say it. Um, now, does the Gus Bradley return help out in Gakwe, you would think. And again, we'll get into free agents a little bit more on next week's podcast, but yes, I would agree with you, Eddie. I didn't feel like it was a slam dunk on that. Um, offensive line-wise, he mentioned adding in free agency and the draft. I, I, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. I think you need to find a starter in the interior, a, a, a right now starter, a day one starter, and then get a little bit of a swing tackle situation going. You know, He mentioned Depth at defensive end. He mentioned depth at wide receiver. You know, I'm curious to see how the Paris Campbell free agency will play out. Um, and and that was pretty much it on the Ballard front. I guess lastly, no comment on the Matt Ryan situation. I am under the assumption Matt Ryan will be cut by next week or by free agency, I should say. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you would want to keep him on your roster past that date. Um, and I'll be interested to see if you make any other cutting moves. It has not been a Chris Bauer thing to do at all in his tenure. Uh, to be fair, they haven't really had a lot of bad contracts that, that would scream kind of veteran cuts like you see, like we've seen with Tennessee yeah. here in, in, in recent weeks. Um, the Colts have some of those now. They have a guy in Ryan Kelly that I don't think you just pencil in in Sharpie 
on your September roster or Kenny Moore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are some names I think we have to keep an eye on. And, you know, Ballard definitely didn't slam the door shut on making some veteran cuts. Now to connect Ballard and Shane Steichen's conferences together, they seemed in pretty, uh, I don't want to say, I would say they went, they were in unison in terms of what they were talking about, what they wanted in the next quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. They both mentioned processing in terms of being a fast processor. They have that edge or that it factor, depending on however you want to phrase it, uh, and accuracy. I think those were the three things that, both Ballard and Steichen talked about when they were asked about drafting a quarterback in the upcoming draft. You know, when you look at the quarterback trait comments, they both mentioned quarterbacks come in different shapes and sizes. You know, that was yeah. kind of a, a a common theme between both guys. I would, I think the thing that stood out to me the most Steichen related, and it, it's not just yesterday. The first thing he often mentions with quarterback is accuracy. Now he threw in there yesterday, Eddie, that you can coach accuracy. Yeah, but yeah, but it, it is kind of how I view his opinion on accuracy because he said, when it's third and eight, can you deliver it? Someone's barreling down. Can you deliver? And that to me, I think, will be the single physical trait that Steichen will keep on coming back to. Can you coach accuracy? Can you coach around accuracy? Yes. But there comes a point in time in every single game where you just got to flat out rip it and you've got to make sure it's on target and the ball placement and all of that is there. Um, so I thought that was the thing Sykin related. You know, he he mentioned a few times as well. You know, what's the edge that kind of separates mm-hmm. these guys? You know, he told the story about Justin Herbert in the 2020 draft process that kind of went to Zoom about halfway through because of COVID, and that they gave Herbert some things to study and 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 work on and and you know kind of tape film stuff. And next thing you know, they ask him about it and he handled it you know beautifully. So. Um, those are things that, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the pod, we're about to find out on. You know, neck up, that separator, you know, all these quarterbacks I think are so similar. You know, to me, Bryce Young stands out a little bit more than the others, but, you know, you can talk yourself, I think, into, any, into several of them, but what is that separator? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a guy who I think will have a really strong week in that area, I think it will be Will Levis. I do think Levis is a guy that's going to check a lot of Colts-centric boxes away from the playing field. And I know that, well, at least I feel like he probably is the most criticized I would agree. quarterback of these four. And I understand why that is. I also think there's a lot of just other circumstances that impacted his time at Kentucky. You know, I, I you know, the guy did go 17-7. and seven. At Kentucky, I mean, I don't think that is something that you should turn your head at either. I know their defense was pretty good, but that is the SEC. He had a lot of turnover at offensive coordinator. There's going to be some major projection there. You're going to have to develop fundamentally and everything. Um, But I think that's a guy that if I were trying to map out how I think the Colts could view these guys, and this is, and I, I will apologize for this up front, Eddie. I don't have a lot of great intel on the Colts and their quarterback thoughts. And you know what? I shouldn't have a lot of it because that means the yep. Colts are not doing their job. Yeah. But I don't want to act like I have this info and just be lying to you over the next two months. That'd be totally unfair of me to, Damn it, Kevin. to, to fake it. So <laughs> where can I put my money? I, I apologize on that front. Uh, but I want to make it very clear that a lot of my comments will come from what I think 
they think, which, again, I wish I had a clearer picture, but that's the reality of where you're at right now. And I think if you're a Colts fan, while I'm sure you're coming here to wish that I had some great, great intel on exactly what the Colts are thinking, it means the Colts are doing their job. Now, we don't know what their entire thought process is with that. I could see them liking Levis, though. I could. There's two um, things to me that I would be concerned about with Levis. Um, first is the pocket awareness and the pocket presence. He is really, really bad at feeling pressure from his blind side. And he got smoked a lot because he didn't feel it. And that led to some of the injuries for this year is that he had trouble feeling the pressure coming from the backside. Yeah. And is that teachable? I don't. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, yeah. I, I don't give that a slam dunk that it is teachable. So that would be worrisome to me. How much of that is offensive line related? You know, and is that pre-snap processing? Is that Carson Wentz stuff where you're yeah. not identifying enough pre-snap? You don't know where the free rusher's coming from? Boom. The, it's it's just second, fascinating to think about. The second part of that to which I think which led to that is he had a hard time at Kentucky coming off the first read and going to the second and going to the third in a timely manner that you would that you talk about the processing it just didn't seem like it was quick enough which led to some of those unforced hits that he took yeah he is going to be one of the more i think debated quarterbacks in the room for these teams all around the nfl um i'm trying to think of what else steichen related he certainly emphasizes the throw to score point of view yeah this is the set we're going to have him on our morning show friday morning and so it'll be our first time kind of one-on-one with him. This is obviously the second time in a big media scrum listening to him. It's just words, Eddie. That's all he can do right now. You don't play football until September. If I were a Colts fan, I would love the comments that he makes about modern football. I, I do too. Throwing to score, and we're not going to be stuck in our ways, and the offense will be catered around the quarterback's strengths. To some people, this might all sound like common sense. But there are plenty of franchises and organizations and coaches in recent years that have not abided by those thoughts and are stubborn in how they handle it. And I would say the college game has really started to separate itself much more from what you think of traditional NFL pro-style systems. Yeah. So it's marrying that together that I think Shane Steichen has done a really nice job of in recent years and, again, will continue to do that. So for those reasons... I think if you're a Colts fan, you have to sit there and say, the reality is this, if we don't get quarterback right, we don't have a chance. Yeah. And this is a guy that has history and talks like someone that can create a pretty good environment around this quarterback. It's not a guarantee. It doesn't mean it's exactly going to work out in 110%, but compared to other candidates, you have the thinking there that this is going to be an environment and atmosphere where this quarterback will have a better chance to succeed than maybe if they were in other sorts of situations with a head coach, play caller, offensive coordinator pairing. Um, Eddie, any other Steichen and or Ballard-related comments from yesterday? Not that I can think of. I think we've hit them all pretty much. Um, Again, we'll have Shane Steichen on our morning show Friday, Um, so looking forward to that conversation. Um probably replay that if you if you miss it on uh, the podcast next week um, let's head to that Nick Sirianni interview okay this was Sirianni with us earlier in the week we cover a variety of topics with him at the combine obviously Shane Steichen comments 
certainly the end of the game back in November, and just overall um, the job that he has done in Philadelphia. And uh, probably the primary focus was Shane Steichen. So if you missed it, this was Nick Sirianni with us earlier in the week. All right, good Wednesday morning to you. We are live here at the Indiana Convention Center. I'm certainly one of the more popular faces has joined us right now. I would assume the reaction, Nick Sirianni, to you coming to downtown Indianapolis may be a little bit different than when you exited Lucas Oil Stadium <laughs> back in early November. Uh, we don't need to begin with that, but um, Shane Steichen, the hire here, um, was listening to your podium session a little bit earlier. And obviously, he was a guy that you entrusted a whole lot. What will you lose the most in not having Shane with you? Yeah, you know, obviously, anytime you lose good people, you're, it's, it affects you. It affects you. And Shane, I always thought Shane just had a phenomenal way about calling a, calling a game. And I started off calling games in, in Philly. Uh, and, I, and I thought to myself, man, I, you know, I, I need to be able to manage the game better. And I have this great play caller who did a great job with the Chargers calling plays. Uh, you know, I need to entrust him, and he just never let me down on that. Uh, he was awesome on that. He does a great way about calling plays, how to stay calm through the through the madness of a game, um, through maybe the head coach yelling uh, at his direction, and then still staying calm. Like Shane's was very steady, um, and so you know that's that's one thing that sticks out with Shane. It just his ability to call a game, his ability, you know, how much he, how good he is with the offense, is, you know, how good he is connecting with players, his accountability with players. And, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Obviously, I miss that friendship that I have with Shane as well. You called him a special play caller. What makes a special play caller? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say um, exactly what that is. It's just like, hey, calling the plays at the right time that are just, you know, Man, how did you you felt you just felt that in that moment, right? And, and yeah, just felt that in that moment. Preparation, also, you know. Um, but you know, there, there's feel to it. But then the preparation of leaving no stone unturned and going through every every detail that you could possibly go through to put yourself in position. Yeah, we ask our players to put themselves in every position they can. How am I running this play versus this look or that look or this look or that look? I try to do the same as a coach. And so his preparation second to none as well. You know, the natural thought process, I think, Coach, for a lot of fans is the comparison to you because, you know, for all the obvious reasons. So when, when people are looking at Shane Steichen coming in as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and they're saying – Hey, this is going to be like what Nick Sirianni did in Philly. What is it like? You know, what what things do you have in common with him? For maybe from approach and detriment, and or, or excuse me, approach and and style. And then, are there any things that are, that are different that you look at it and you say, you know, what maybe he learned from an area where where there was a detriment of something I did that he could have learned from? Sure, I think what we we always try to do as coaches is learn some things from from guys of what you would do and how you would do it, and take little parts of where you've where you've been and try to, you know, say, here, here's how I would do it, right? And so I'm sure Shane's taking a little bit from, from Norv and a little – Norv Turner, a little bit from Frank Reich, a little bit from me, a little bit from Anthony Lynn, a little bit from Mike McCoy, and, and making it his own. Um, you know, that's what, that's, what you, that's what you try to do is and, and do what you think's right and what you're convicted in, um, you know, to make sure you're running the program the, the way you want it, want it to be run. And so, um, you know, Shane, to say – anything as far as systems go like he's got to figure out who's here first right and I think that that's what Shane and I have done and and, and what the example of that is like hey neither of us have ever ever run an offense quite like the one we ran this year we had you know these type of players and this is how we ran the offense 
he tried to cater to the quarterback first. So I think, you know, to say this is what, you know, Shane will do because we did this and will he use some concepts from from Philly? I imagine so that he will. Um, but he's, you know, he'll. I know what Shane will do. He'll figure out what his players do, figure out what his players do well, and he'll try to replicate that. And does that always happen immediately? No, because you got to you got to go through training camp. You got to go through OTAs. You got to go through preseason games. You got to go through a couple. It it took us about five or six games before we were hit our stride and said, "This is what we do well. This is what we're going to continue to do." And so, you know, I know Shane will will figure out what his guys do well and. Uh, you know, and adapt to them, especially that court, whoever that quarterback is. He was here as Colts offense coordinator from 2018 to 2020. Nick Sirianni, obviously Eagles head coach, with us uh, live at the convention center. I asked Shane at his opening presser the biggest thing he learned from you as a first-time head coach. He said accountability. How as a head coach do you go about being accountable? Yeah, first of all, the accountability starts with yourself um, and admitting – you know, when you've messed up, right? And so if I'm going to get up in front of the room and talk to the guys about things that uh, that need to be corrected from the game or from practice, I better be saying the things that I did wrong too, right, and, and, and going that way. But I think what people think is accountability. And so it starts there where you're holding yourself accountable. You want our players to get better every day? We got to get better every day. You want players to be hold each other accountable and hold themselves accountable? You got to hold yourself accountable. But I think what a misconception sometimes about accountability is that it has to be negative that's not that's not at all accurate and and accountability won't like sure you when it's when it's not done the right way you you go through your process of of how you correct that action but when it's done the way that you really wanted it to be done and way you know it needs to be done to to compete at a high level that's just as good accountability because you're like you're going crazy about that. Like sometimes it looks like you're you're losing your mind, but you're losing your mind in such a good way. You're like, that's exactly the way it's supposed to look. <laughs> that's exactly how I want it to look. And and so like and then that's the reinforcement. Like and the man, that's exactly what he wants. And then when you do it this way, it looks good. We're playing good. So accountability starts with you. And then accountability doesn't just have to be negative. Right? You want to you want to be positive in your accountability too, because you're just trying to reinforce the actions you want to re, uh, continue to have. You're literally like the perfect fit for Philadelphia, aren't you? <laughs> like I'm not kidding you. Like it, it feels, it almost is like there was no other franchise that would have been a better fit. Yeah, I guess that's I grew up on the East Coast. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like, you know, know what I mean? Like, you just, you kind of have that, like, Rocky Balboa, like, get up. At, like, do you drink raw eggs in the morning, I the de- whole deal? I, I definitely do not do that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably but smart. Do I, but do I love Rocky, the Rocky movies? Yeah. Did I just start watching them with my son um, before basketball games? I did. Have you run the steps? You know what? I have, but he hasn't. So I need to take him. There's your project, season. right? It's an off-season but vacation. It's right there. amazing. Like, I mean, shoot, we're sitting there watching Rocky. I said, "Hey, what did what'd you learn? Work and hey, work hard. If I want to, yeah. if I want to beat Ivan Drago, I got to work hard." <laughs> so I'm like, "That's exactly what I wanted my son to say." Hey, I, let me ask you about this. I mean, Kevin made mention of it, and we can make light of it now and joke around about you know what it meant to you to come back to Indianapolis and win. And I think people know your relationship, your admiration, your respect for Frank Wright. And knowing the way that things ended for Frank Reich in Indianapolis, part of that's the nature of the business. Sure. But when Shane Steichen came to you and said, I have an opportunity, you said, oh, great. It's Indianapolis. What was your reaction? And was there any second of thinking to yourself, could there be somewhere else? Yeah, not, not even actually, not even a little bit. Um, I, I, when he said it's Indianapolis and 
I, I was just so happy. There's so many, so many great people in this city, and there's so many great people in that in that building, right? Like, shoot, we talk, we still talk to our friends uh, over in uh, Bridgewater, where we where we lived, right? Um, and then I just think about all the great people that they have in, in that building. Like, uh, you know, I, I have. I had a phenomenal three years here, um, and that and that starts with the the people you're around every day when you go to work. That starts with the people that you're around when you're when you live in the city. And so, um, I told them how much I liked it, liked living here. I told them how much I liked working in that building, um, and I was really happy for them to, uh, you know, to um, to have that opportunity. I, you know, and, and imagine he'll move somewhere that has a golf I, I miss that golf cart i used to have that i used to drive <laughs> he's got to have his kid watch hoosiers though instead of rocky right <laughs> yeah you got you got to have you got to have the hoosiers on he's got to make the drive down the, the street to go see hoosiers but you know i told him how much i like that golf cart that you drive around the neighborhood with in one of those communities that's why i miss i miss that golf cart that I, used to have. <laughs> I can't have that in uh in philly what's I, the biggest challenge in going from for you was there a moment when you went from coordinator to head coach where all of a sudden you're like oh man like i now it's real and and what is what is the adjustment he's going to have to make um there's always different you know different things there like i really felt prepared uh, i really did and hopefully i i helped shane you know in this journey to help him get prepared as well um i just always remember frank pulling me aside and saying stuff like hey when you're head coach you're gonna have to think through this just like I did right here and there's what I did like he, he made it he was very intentional Frank was very intentional about helping me develop into uh, into the head coach into a head coach right and I tried to do those same things for Jonathan and Shane and so hopefully you know Shane is, is seeing all those things um, and he takes a little like I said takes a little bit from each person that he has and 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 when he gets in those situations um, to to um you know, to be able to handle it the way he thinks is right. But also when he gets in those situations, you know, obviously you try to prepare guys as much as you possibly can and help them prepare as much as you can. But you, you can't go through everything, right? And so when he gets in those situations, he knows he can call me. And I know he knows he can call Frank. I know he knows he can call, you know, his other mentors. And, and you know, when he when he has those. And, and Gus Bradley, right? I, that Shoot, Gus was a big mentor for, for both Shane and I, you know, when we were together in – with the Chargers, I still talk to Gus, and 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 he still helps me through through different situations. So you you you're never going to have all the answers, and and be re, be ready to reach out and uh, and reach out to people that you trust when you when you need to when you need to ask questions. Nick, last one from me. You know, I brought it up to start the interview. Obviously, your reaction at the end of that Colts Eagles game back in November got a lot of fanfare on our airwaves. Um, they were the, mad at me. The, well, it, it, <laughs> that's probably an accurate statement. The little bit that I know of you, I, I simply said that Monday, that is the competitive spirit that I know that you live with in every walk of life, not just the game of football. But it was that combination with your loyalty to Frank Reich. Is that accurate in your emotion at the end of that game? Yeah, you know, obviously very competitive. I think one of my friends <laughs> said some, some one of my friends who actually went to the Super Bowl had said, um, you know, um, one of the one of the people that he works with that came in and was like, "Did you see Nick at the end of the game?" He goes, "Yeah, that's how Nick is when we used to play Nintendo together I was gonna say, when we were kids." Is like, that you, like winning a beer pong, you know, game? One hundred percent. And so, like, then he's like, "That's that's just what that's just who he is." But but also, you know, I was I was raised in a home where family was everything, right? And uh, you know, faith, family, football, and. Um, you know, I, I can remember, you know, if my brother's teams had a bad game, um, they, I had two older brothers, and if my brother's teams had a bad game, I, I'm crying, 
right? I, I got emotional about it. Or if somebody said something about my brothers, hey, he, he didn't play quarterback very well. Like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to be really pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, tr- I think of Frank as, like, my older brother. And, uh, and that's just – when, when, when that's just how you feel about your family and you're just you're just loyal and you're and because you know they've always had your back you've always had their back and you always want what's best for them and and you don't and you don't like it when it's when it's and it, when it's not the best for them so now what what were you yelling that's what i want to that, know that that's that stays there <laughs> was it to philly fans or indy fans that uh, stays there too. oh darn it i, I, I tried safe travels tried. home that's right you know <laughs> hey you need to go uh, and i realize that you're fairly busy here while you're in town um, you need to go to 47th and Boulevard to Hoagies and Hops because literally the gal that runs it is is from Philly. Okay. And you walk in and you would think that are you, you s- are across the street. Like, it, literally, it's entirely Philadelphia I Eagles I feel like stuff. you might be setting me up and, and there's going to be all no. the Colts fans <laughs> I'm telling you. that after the game. They I'm sit behind the visiting had, bench every single game they and had, they've been waiting for they you. They had <laughs> Super Bowl specials. They had the entire place was Fly what Eagles is, Fly. What is it called again? Hoagies and Hops. Hoagies it's at 47. Just out the Butler. Yeah, just out the Butler. That was one of my regrets being here. I didn't get to go to a Butler game. Oh, yeah. I heard it was awesome. I was at Hinkle last night for the game. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome time up there um unbelievable success Thank proud you. of you um i know it's uh, probably been a whirlwind these last couple of years but i think jake summed it up pretty well you you, you fit philly really well and it's uh, darn impressive hey what are you and shane next year both going to be in the headset of former alabama quarterbacks on the field what do you think? Uh, I can't answer. That. I don't know. What, listen, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't. We don't share secrets anymore. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, Jim Mercy had a slip up. Nick Sirianni's not going to have a that's slip right. up here. With that's us. right. Thanks, Nick. Enjoy, Andy. All right, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, that was Nick Sirianni with us over at the Combine earlier in the week. Eddie, uh, should we hop into Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Jake is up first. He says, you and JMV mentioned you heard hesitancy in Chris Ballard's voice about trading to number one. How much do you think of that is real? How much do you think of that is playing the media lying game? You know, I, I went back and like listened to Ballard's comments a couple times yesterday, and you know, he throws in the caveat of yet and right now. You know, whenever you throw in those timely words, I mean, hell, technically you're not lying about anything, you know? Yeah. Right now, you and I are in this building, Eddie. Like, you know, like anytime you throw those, you know, right now we haven't made a decision on that. Matt Ryan is on our football team. We haven't decided anything there yet. Right now, you're supporting the Irish after their win against Pitt. Yeah, Mike Bray, very hungover on this Thursday morning. Kudos to him for that. Um, so, it, I get why he said it in the way he said it. And to our earlier point on the podcast, he's right. They're still very early in this evaluation process. So, I understand a lot of it. I will reiterate this, though. What do we know about six drafts with Chris Ballard? He likes picks. Loves picks. Doesn't love trading up, and he has stern requirements for trading up. You know, he is a bit, you know, drafting Nelson at six overall. It was not just because Quentin Nelson was an All American at Notre Dame, it was because 
he was the best worker on that football team. And if I'm going to draft you at six overall, I'm sending a message to my entire locker room of who you are off the field just as much as you are on the field each Sunday. So they're going to have to be blown away. I, I get all of that. Like that, all of that stuff checks those boxes for me. Again, where I would counter is I don't think you're in some position where you can just sit on your ass on the couch and order something off Amazon. Yeah. To me, I think you got to get off the couch and go and and do it. And does that mean you got to sacrifice some resources? Yeah, but dude, if my job was on the line, man, I would not be wanting others to decide what's going to be on the shelf for me at four. Totally agree with you there. Uh, what's the decision-making process for quarterbacks when you have a young, innovative, and offensive-minded head coach? This is from Cameron. How much say does he get versus the general manager whose literal job is managing the roster? If the if it's the head coach's system, I have to imagine he has a lot of input for this specific position. And Chris Ballard was asked about this yesterday as well. Yeah, it's a really good question, Cameron. And yeah, he, he was. Um, man, I... Eddie, let's let's make a little pie chart here, okay? 100%. You're dividing it up between three people, or say Ballard and Steichen. Okay. I'll go Ballard, 45. Boy, that might be too low for him. Steichen, 35. Or say 20. Mm. I would have, if it were me, I would have Ballard and Steichen flipped. You think Sykin has more say than Ballard? I've, uh, he should, in my in my opinion. In my opinion, he yeah. should. I, I don't disagree with that thought. Um, I also think the beauty of Shane Sykin, and I, I think he can be very flexible. You that's know, that's he, the he, concerning he, part to me. He, he's going to have a preference, um, and you and you want to make sure that you, you know, it's almost like if I'm Chris Ballard, I sit Shane Sykin down and be like, dude, I know you're brilliant. I know that you have a great quarterback history, but Andy Reid said no to Alex Smith, and Sean McVay said no to Jared Goff, and Kyle Shanahan said no to Jimmy Garoppolo. Three brilliant offensive minds all said no to quarterbacks that had gotten them into playoff position. Yeah. So tell me who you really like. Like, Yeah. Yeah, you might think you can win a division with three of these four, but who, you know, if you weren't calling plays, if you were sick and you couldn't come to the game, who would you want? You know, you got to make sure that you really drill that into him. Um I, yeah, I, I would want more head coach, to your point. I, I, I would want that. I, I just am trying to gauge what, how I think Ballard would, oh, yeah. would would run the show there. And, you know, these are two separate questions. One of it is, who do you like? And the next is, how do you go about obtaining that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, those are two separate things that you're going to have to sift through. It's, we like Bryce Young 75%. To get him, you got to go to one, hypothetical. We like C.J. Stroud 58%. To get him, we can sit at four. How do you weigh that? Right yeah. now, my hands are going up and down like it's a weigh scale at O'Malley's, and I'm back there in fourth grade with Colleen Bowen every Thursday going to <laughs> O'Malley's, and, and she's telling me to go weigh the fruits. Um, or vegetables, or both. Uh, I probably wouldn't eat any of them, to be honest with you. But, yeah, that's that's where we're at. But to me still, KB, even if you like Stroud – and he's the guy that you think is the guy. I still think you got to go up there and get him at one because somebody is getting number one. 
And if it's not Indianapolis, it's somebody else, and they will take quarterback. I do not disagree with you. We had Field Yates on our morning show this morning, and I said to Field, chances quarterback goes one, two, and three. And I said, 50%. And he said, probably, maybe a little less. I mean, we could be looking at the 2021 draft. Yeah. Lawrence, Wilson, and then the trade-up for Lance. You know, once once that first one comes off the board, and that second one comes off the board, and, and it's a mad do, dash. Do we have a Jalen Carter question because I think the Carter news could impact some of this. Yeah, that's the next question. All right, that's from Damon. He says, "KB, do you think this Jalen Carter situation will hurt the Colts or anyone's chances to move up to the first pick? I'm thinking Chicago may be hesitant to move down if Carter is removed from the equation." And just a quick update on the Jalen Carter situation, KB. I don't know if you saw this or not, uh, but uh, not Ian Rappaport, but Adam Schefter is reporting that he is back here in Indianapolis to do his interviews, weigh-ins, and a full evaluation process. Yeah, I guess he's got good Delta miles, maybe, to get back from Atlanta that that quickly, or uh, maybe his agency is footing the old private bill on that one. Okay, I think we know the Jalen Carter story by now, for those that listen to this podcast. It's just a tragic story with his teammate and a staff member dying in a what I believe is a road rage-ish incident, maybe not road rage, more of a reckless driving, drag racing sort of situation here yep. is probably the more accurate uh, description of it. And Jalen Carter left the scene. That is the report on this. So obviously a lot of legal stuff to play out. My question is this. Do teams soften their stance on Jalen Carter? If you believe the report, he lied to police. This is not a guy that had a crystal clear blue trait character card coming into the combine. Correct. Before, hell, I should say before the incident. You know, so I say all that to say, how do Chicago and Arizona? How do they view this? I mean, like that is something that I think you have to look at. Is you could probably look at it one of two ways, Eddie. My first thought was this. Jalen Carter potentially just removed himself as a top five pick. That means Chicago and Arizona say, we are really open for trades. Yeah. Because now we don't view him in that light. We, we, we cannot take him as high as we originally thought we could. So that was my first thought. Then I was talking to some people and they go, well, how about this counter? Now that means Will Anderson means even more. Yep. And so now Chicago might not want to trade one. Or if they trade one, they're only going back to two. No, and Houston will take a QB at one. They'll get Anderson at two. So, does Chicago look at it and say, we can't go back to four? Arizona's going to take Anderson at three. You follow that? I I, I know it's a lot of hypotheticals that I just threw out there, but that is kind of all what's racing in my mind. And, again, I think our listening audience is, for the most part, pretty up to – you know, up to date with a ton of draft stuff. Hell, you know, a lot of you know more about it than, than I. But I think the consensus is Will Anderson and Jalen Carter were the two clear names that were deserving of top five picks. The two non-quarterbacks. Right. I don't think anyone else has cemented themselves in that group just yet. So that's where this really comes into play. So I know the Colts drafting Jalen Carter was never something that we really will discuss or, or should discuss, but it has it has a domino effect without mm-hmm. question on the Colts. And again, I think you can look at it one of two ways. Maybe now he's no longer viewed as a top five pick. So that means Arizona and Chicago say, all right, 
Uh, no player in our mind is worth it here. Let's move on back and have a quarterback needy team come screaming up for it. Yeah. Or the Will Anderson angle of, again, it just means more on Anderson now. Um, and that will be the pick that you see from one of those two NFC teams, and then the other one would then trade back. You know, and there's always the weird angle of this all. It doesn't affect his stock at all. Sure, sure. And that is totally, uh, you know, again, I'm not going to act like I have all the information right. here. I know somebody brought up yesterday, you know, what about the Henry Rugg situation? To be fair to Jalen Carter, I don't believe alcohol was involved in this um, situation here. Um, I believe misdemeanors were the early charges on that. You know, it's not like this guy is, you know, I, I don't think this is taking him out of round one or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I, I don't act like it, it's to that level, but. Um, it's not a Laramie Tunsil situation. No, but it's, you know, it's something you've got to sift through. And it's something if you're Chicago and Arizona and you're, you know, in, in such a we need to find a defensive guy, would you want to go a little bit safer than maybe Carter? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. With Cam Turner being hired as a quarterback's coach and his history of working with quarterbacks like Cam Newton and Kyler Murray, do you think this? Uh, do you think it sort of shows the hand of the Colts leaning towards a quarterback like Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson? Tanner's question. I may be thinking too much into it, but both of those rookies have been compared to Cam Newton and Kyler Murray, respectively. Yeah, I um. I understand the question from Tanner, but and I think he points us out there. I I wouldn't read that much into it. I mean, we did the pie chart just a few minutes ago, Eddie. I don't think Cam Turner is going to have an overwhelming amount of say in the quarterback draft pick. I mean, certainly you'll ask him for his opinion, but I don't think it's going to be the end-all, be-all. And you know what? Chris Power said this yesterday, Eddie. Everybody's mobile nowadays. Yeah. I mean, Aiden O'Connell's not going to get drafted in the first 60-some picks. And a big part of that is because he isn't a guy that's going to move a whole lot. So um, I, I I think that is part of it. This offensive staff is fascinating to me, Eddie, when you look at it. And it hasn't been finalized yet, but I think it's worth pointing out. If you look at the quarterback's coach, Cam Turner, the running back's coach, DeAndre Smith, the wide receiver's coach, and Reggie Wayne, the tight end's coach, and Tom Manning, and the O-line coach, and Tony Sperano Jr., Mm-hmm. Eddie, they have combined, those five individuals have combined to be full-time position coaches in the NFL for five seasons. Five guys have combined to be position coaches for five total seasons. Cam Turner's had two. DeAndre Smith's had one at this level. Reggie Wayne, of course, just had one at this level. Tom Manning had one back in 2018. And Sperano's never been a full-time O-line coach. It's a youthful offensive staff. I mean, yeah. very youthful. Now, what you like 
and I've mentioned Tom Manning before, and I think Cam Turner brings some of this. I like the young, innovative, we've worked with young quarterbacks. In Manning's case, he's called some plays. Turner was the pass game coordinator. You know, there there's parts of this staff youth-wise that I do like. Would I like to see a little bit more balance, probably a little bit more veteran in the O-line? Yes. You know, it sounds like they've got some really strong reviews on Sperano from ex-players that that did um, play for him and, and that side of it. Um, but it's just, it's a big contrast to defense. You know, defense, you got a ton of experience. And I think with every staff, you're trying to achieve some level of balance. But I do think that's just, uh, it's an interesting part to the Shane Steichen coaching staff. Certainly is. Scotty says, here's what I see happening for the draft. Chicago trades number one overall for number two and number 12 with Houston, along with a Houston second-round pick of next year. Chicago then trades number two to Indianapolis for the fourth overall pick, this year's second-round pick, and next year's second-round pick, and a player probably Kenny Moore, and will continue to stack from there. What are your thoughts on that? You know, Scotty, if you handed me a piece of paper right now and said, Kevin, pick the draft order. Okay? Who's drafting one, two, three, and 4? With not a ton of confidence, I would say 1 will be Houston, 2 will be Indianapolis, 3 will be insert team here, 4 will be Chicago. Now, the Jalen Carter thing is maybe throwing a bit of a wrench in it. Does mm-hmm. Chicago still look at Will Anderson and Jalen Carter and say, hey, if we go back to four, we'll get one of them and we feel good about it? Do you still feel good about Jalen Carter as a top four pick? That's, I think, a question that you have to ask yourself. Now, when I say team three, Arizona, pick three is Arizona. Eddie, look at the five teams right behind Indy. I know. And I don't have this in order, but I believe it's Seattle. Actually, I think this is in order now that I say it off the top of my head. I think it goes Seattle. I think it goes Detroit, the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Correct. In that specific order. So one more time for our listening audience. Uh, Seattle, Detroit, Vegas, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. Which is Philly, right? Philly yeah, has, has, 10. Has, yeah, has sorry. New Orleans pick. So you go there four through nine. Excuse me, five through nine. Eddie, you can talk yourself into quarterback for any of those five, right? Oh, yeah. Any of them? Yep. And all of them have got to sit in a room and say, guys, I we like Jared Goff. We like Geno Smith. We don't plan to be in the top ten next year. This is our chance to bridge and pass that torch a little bit. You know, it's such an unbelievable opportunity. The one group I sit there in the top ten, it's time to take advantage of it. So I I think that is something that we haven't discussed enough. I think the one team out of that group that's going to be really bad that will be there in that top three again next year, that's Atlanta. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. What about that team sitting there at nine? Yeah. Sorry, Ken Myers walked by. All good. All good. Give us a thumbs up. Um, we, You know, you and I were both there for Frank Reich yesterday. Yeah. He was candid. About Bryce Young, too. He was. He talked a lot about Derek Carr and their meeting with him. David Tepper is a very aggressive owner. Look at that coaching staff. Look at the money. They are paying a whole lot to that coaching staff. What 
do they do? Now, it's going to cost a lot to come up from nine all the way. to, And they have an additional second. Is that correct? They got San Francisco second for yeah. the McCaffrey deal? Yeah. So, that, so they do have that. But, boy, if, you know, Brian Decker's now in Carolina, does he have any intel on what the Colts would like? Yeah. I don't know, man. Certainly fascinating. Uh- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Uh, Austin wants you to rank these quarterbacks in order that you'd like them on, like to see them on the Colts. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, Justin Fields. Let's also pretend all these players would go at that number four pick. Thanks. It's a good one from Austin. Really good one. Um, I'd probably go Bryce Young. Then I think I'd go Fields. Then Stroud. It'll sound negative with Stroud, but I think he is the safest. Totally agree. You know, and again, I know that comes with a negative stereotype, and some would say, well, I don't want safe in the top five. You know, I, I look at the AFC right now. Would safe just get you the sixth best quarter, quarterback in the AFC? I don't know. Um, I'd probably go Levis, Richardson, and Hooker um, to round it out. Boy, that's a good one. I would probably go. Yeah, how would you do that? I would go Stroud, then Young, then Fields, Richardson, Levis, Hooker. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, because I think there's a lot more to CJ Stroud that is that wasn't tapped into at Ohio State. I think there's a lot more creativity that you can do with him and moving the pocket and with his legs. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the semifinal would point to that. I, my argument against, you know, I have Young ahead of Stroud. Yeah, you, know, you and I have, you know, would would disagree on that. And I understand the, the Bryce Young concerns. I'm not going to act like, you know, the height and weight is not some something that I think about and think, ah, Kevin, you might be a total idiot with this. That'll sound crazy to some. But I'll stand by this. Ohio State had an overwhelmingly more talented offense around C.J. Stroud than Bryce Young had at Alabama. Especially this year. Right. And, and I mean, let's just focus right here on this year. I mean, that Alabama offense, maybe Jameer Gibbs, maybe the Cathedral offensive guard goes like in the fourth or fifth round, something like that. No one's getting drafted early out of that Alabama offense. Whereas you look at Ohio State, and even without – um. Smith and Jigba, I mean, Marvin Harrison, of course, is going to go in the top five next year. Mega Abuka will be a first-round pick next year. Both their tackles are going to go very high. Obviously, their running back situation, whenever you know those guys become eligible, they're going to go high. And just in general, I mean, the Big Ten, outside of a game or two, it's just it's a joke. Yep. It, 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 you know, and you don't you get a lot more of that out of. Um, the SEC? Out of the SEC. And I don't know, maybe is this some of my, I watched C.J. Stroud very intently against Notre Dame and I wasn't like overwhelmingly impressed. I I, I don't think it's that. I, I want to make sure I throw that out there because 
I'm literally decked out in Notre Dame gear today because Mike Bray is an absolute legend and he needs to go, by the way. Let me make that very clear. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't love the human being for everything he's given me as a fan over the last two decades. Boy, it's such a great debate, man. Stroud versus Young. It is. Such a great one. Uh, final question comes from Creighton. Colts are obviously going to be drafting a quarterback. Throughout the NFL history, what year is a quarterback most likely to make the Super Bowl? I'd guess year two or year three. It's a great question. Mahomes um, did it in year two. Burrow did it in year two. Yeah, I, I would s- certainly lately, Eddie, you've had the rookie quarterback contract success. Yeah. You know, Goff was on the rookie quarterback contract. Wentz was on it. I know Foles was the QB, but they got into that position with Wentz, you know, being on that quarterback contract. So over the last handful of years, it's been the rookie quarterback success that has helped get you to that game. You know, I, I tend to go with kind of get you to the game. You know, I, I, Brady can skew a whole lot of this when you think about his age and, you know, how old he was in getting to those Super Bowls. Boy, I, I know Mahomes is about ready to enter this age group, Eddie, so this might be a dumb statement in five years, but I don't think we've had a lot of, like, 28- to 33-year-old quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. No. Lately. No. You know, it's Stafford? Like, I, guess, oh, I guess Stafford probably would have qualified as one of them. Well, would he have been in that age range, or is he older than that? Uh, let me... It, it feels like it's either been Brady or young guys. And I know it's not, like, that simple, but... That at least is kind of where I think it's been. Obviously, you had Peyton a little bit. You know, you, you you've had a Rogers. You have to go back a little bit to get to Roethlisberger or get to Eli. Or he would have been thirty three. Stafford was thirty three. Yeah, because he's. So, uh, well, yeah, he would have been thirty three. He just turned thirty five. Okay. You know, I I think um, and Bauer was asked this yesterday. To me, it's just such a critical time, Eddie, when the Colts make this selection. And I would be stunned if they do not take a quarterback. Let me reiterate that. Boy, what a critical next four years it is to build. Yeah. You know, I I know I've mentioned this before, but kudos to Jacksonville, who said our rookie quarterback just had a really, really difficult first year in the NFL, on and off the field, Trevor Lawrence. We can't take any chances. So what we're going to do is we're going to pay – B players in free agency A money And we're going to get laughed at And people are going to tell us we're idiots But if we don't get Trevor Lawrence right Our franchise is screwed For the next X amount of years Yeah So they did that with Evan Ingram And they did that with Zay Jones And they did that with Christian Kirk And they got Trevor Lawrence right mm-hmm. And now Trevor Lawrence moving forward Should be able to help you In making other skill guys better When you needed the reverse of that to happen this past season. So that is the time that the Colts theoretically are about to be entering where you can be a little bit more active in free agency. You're still going to have to hit on rookie contract guys because you're still going to have to build with that quarterback, of course. But that's what you're going to have to make sure that you do. It's that Peyton Manning goes 3-13 and in year one, and then you give him the leading rusher in the NFL the next season in Edger and James – that helps you out big time. Now, I know that's draft and not free agency, but it's finding that combination of both is going to be so vital for Chris Ballard moving forward. Uh, one final thing that I wanted to bring up that just struck my mind. 
It was a position group that received a lot of scrutiny over the season that Ballard spoke highly about both uh, at the podium with the local media and then again with JMV, and that was the tight end group. He seems really, really... Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts tight end group. Yes, yeah. the Colts yeah. tight end group. Yeah. He seems like that group will take another step forward, and I think with Shane Steichen now into the mix, I think that is true. Because we talked about it throughout the course of the season last year, Kylan Granson was top five in the NFL in separation, and he just did not get the ball off. And the same with Jelani Woods. He was really good with the ball in his hands, but they just didn't find ways to get him to football. And then they get Drew Ogletree back, uh, hopefully, and they they really like him based off of what Ballard told John yesterday. You know, there is, and I would agree with that. I, I think that's a very smart takeaway to have from that. Um, I understand the intrigue. At tight end and a little bit at wideout. I mean, he yeah. still is, you know, very bullish on Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce specifically. I would like to see one veteran pass catcher added here in a few weeks. I would agree. It's a really bad wide receiver group and free agency. Tight end has a little bit more, not a ton, but tight end has a little bit more. Um, obviously, the inline blocking aspect of the tight end position to me was a concern last season. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. But I, I just, it's a group that has intrigue, has youth. You would think there's some development. It's a lot of second and third and fourth round draft picks within those two rooms. But I just would like to, I'd sleep a little bit better at night with another one. Yeah, a couple of names that quickly stood out to me regarding the tight, uh, the wide receivers. That'd be Jacoby Myers and DJ Chark and maybe Alan Lazard. But that's about it, really. I like Lazard. I do. Yeah, I, I have liked him. Um, and, you know, we're, we're about to find out, Eddie, Chris Bauer's actions compared to his words. You know, I, I know a lot is, and I, you know, I've been the one asking him this question each of the last two season-ending press conferences. Do you feel like your roster-building approach needs to be altered? And he has answered it in a very similar manner each of the last two years. Yep. And last March, I didn't see a whole lot of altering to it. Does 4-12-1? and one, does that hit you in the face? Does the firing of your head coach? Does drafting four overall? Does that hit you in the face a little bit more? Probably does. What will the actions be off of that? And we're going to find out a little bit of a glimpse into that here in less than two weeks. Anything else, Eddie? Uh, no. Have a good weekend, man. I will. He is Eddie Garrison. I am Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. The month of March is here. One of my favorites of the year for the obvious reasons of... It's madness. uh, It's madness. Free agency madness and then March madness. Weather is improving. Golf season is nearing. The Masters is nearing. And Mike Bray's time in Notre Dame is over. Um, Gosh, I'm being so critical of that man. He is such a good human and I love him for so many reasons. But Eddie defense they suck their roster building has been awful and you need some juice in the program new juice sounds very uh, familiar not jameson juice which is what he was consuming last (laughs) night everybody have a great combine week enjoy it we'll recap it early next week on kevin's corner